Well, hello, aloha, and good morning, and welcome to the Bridgetown Daily for Monday, July 27th. My name is Jaren, and I lead the youth here at Bridgetown. And I uh, want to begin this daily this morning by sharing a bit about how hard these past few weeks have been for me, specifically in my life of prayer. Considering our COVID or current COVID circumstances, I had a wonderful and safe birthday week to start off July and was met with some of the deepest and most encouraging gifts and words of prophecy from the people that matter so much to me. And following that week, my spiritual and mental health got hit by what I can only describe as straight up spiritual warfare. I mean, in a nutshell, it felt like the enemy was working super hard to try and disprove and invalidate all of the love and belonging and prophecy I had just experienced the week prior. Not to mention I had been engaging in some really, really difficult conversations and outright arguments on the topic of theology, race, and politics, which had just about pushed me over the edge of embitterment, if I can be completely honest. And thinking back, I saw my prayer life kind of evolve in a cyclical form. It started with a lot of why God laments and petitions concerning our times, and even specifically, a lot of wounds I'm currently working through. And that went to a lot of how God prayers, like how could you let this happen, God, or show me how, God, teach me how, how are you speaking to me, to our church, and things of that nature. And this evolved into a lot of tell me prayers, tell me, God. Whose side are you on? Tell me, Jesus, where is your work happening? Because so many different voices are claiming that they are a part of your work and claiming that your work should look like this way or that way. And, you know, even now I'm just recalling the very freeing words from my therapist that unfortunately I didn't listen to but were really wise at the moment. He said, in the same way you can't solve theodicy or the problem of evil over breakfast, you will not be able to solve race relations over lunch, Jaron. You won't be satisfied if you try. And all that to say, when God finally failed to give me a written report of his divine mysteries, I quickly went back to the why God prayers. And that cycle of prayer somewhat repeated itself until my energy and attention was sapped sapped to the degree in which nearly all that was left in the interior of my person that I could see at least was really deep discouragement, shame about my struggling relationship to food and my body, and even shame around the lack of knowledge or clarity I feel around the times and and leading just in ministry. The feelings of loneliness and homesickness saw that come up, deep insecurity and worry about what the future holds. And I guess you could imagine that I was quite frustrated with God because most of my energy was directed towards good and hard and spiritual things with Him. You know, those prayers aren't bad or wrong at all, but the best way I can explain what I was going through in that cycle, in that prayer cycle, was it felt like when I was praying these lofty and deeply existential prayers, it felt like staring, kind of like staring at the sun for too long, you know? And the after effects of staring into the sun are quite disorienting and, and painful a lot of times. And I have to say, even even better picture I'll give to my prayer life comes from Ronald Rollheiser's description of the struggle of faith. He says this, imagine lying in bed one night and finding yourself flooded with warm feelings of faith. In that grace moment, you truly feel the reality of God. There are no doubts in your mind on this night. 
you know that God exists as surely as you know that you exist. Your faith feels sure. Now imagine a very different scenario. You wake up one night overwhelmed by feelings of chaos, emptiness, and doubt. Try as you might, you can no longer envision the existence of God or convince yourself that you believe. You try to imagine God's existence. You feel, to try and feel God's reality, but you draw a blank and your heart fills with the sense that all you believe is in nothing but wishful thinking. Your heart tells you that the heavens are empty. You stare holes into the darkness and all that stares back is darkness, nothingness, and emptiness. Gosh, such a fitting description of so many of my evenings in a current COVID divided and wounded society. So why am I giving you insight into my personal prayer life this morning? Well, if your prayer life has been in the depths of this prayer cycle, which isn't all bad, by the way, again, or if you relate to the struggle of faith Rollheiser describes, my hope is to provide some clarity and respite for your soul and mine, assuming that you didn't get a divine download to all of these divine mysteries. And if you did, my email is on Bridgetown's website. For those of us who carry the tension of God's felt silence, and mystery alongside a very real ache for clear answers and responses, I want to offer a challenge to you and I this morning that I believe God has opened up in my soul, not finished at all, but definitely opened. And it started when I lost all of the energy to pray and intercede out loud and with words and immediately felt this thought come up in my gut. You're a weak Christian, Jaron. You have weak faith. And my brain immediately took advantage of that feeling with many other thoughts. How insensitive of you to stop praying at a time like this, Jaren. Do you have no compassion for the world around you? And I just remember saying to God one day while driving, God, there's so much to pray for that I literally just can't do it anymore. All I can offer you is the Jesus prayer from my heart. And so I did. Just short sentence, super breathy, I'm a very breathy person, but just short sentence, super breathy prayers like the Jesus prayer and many one-liners from the Psalms. My favorite one coming from Psalm 69, verse 16 as of recent. But back then, I remember feeling so guilty. Like, how can you offer Jesus less at a time when there is so much corporate need around you now? And I'll just stop here and say, Thank God John Mark had our staff read The Way of the Heart by Henry Nouwen because it was in reading Henry Nouwen's experiences and wisdom on prayer that I found such a sweet surprise from God. The surprise was that Henry explained my exhausting transition from the lengthy and assertive cycle prayers to the short, weighty, and silent ones, not as disobedience or as lack of faith like I once thought, but rather as a sign of surrender going on in the deepest parts of my tired soul. I mean, I don't think I can express to you all how tender my heart felt when I realized God was pastoring my heart the whole time. It's like the scripture from Colossians 1 came alive to me in a fresh way, Christ in you. This transition was Jesus saying to me, slow down, listen to me, let my word speak. Why shorter words? To let God be God. To let his word speak for itself and to be myself 
before him. And there's a, there's a lot more to say about the benefits of shorter prayers versus longer prayers and how we sometimes love to use our language, myself included, to control more so than to relate. But that's for another Bridgetown Daily. For now, we must heed the words of Henry Nouwen. says this, in the context of our verbose culture, it is significant to hear the desert church fathers discouraging us from using too many words. This is a very helpful suggestion for us, people who depend so much on verbal ability. The quiet repetition of a single word can help us to descend with the mind into the heart. Such a simple, easily repeated prayer can slowly empty out our crowded interior life and create quiet space where we can dwell with God. It can be like a ladder along which we descend into the heart and ascend to God. Our choice of words depends on our needs and circumstances of the moment, but it is best to use words from scripture, end quote. You see, the silent, short prayers are not tone deafness to society, but rather a ladder along which we can descend into our hearts and ascend to God and experience his nature, what the word calls him, what the word reveals to us about God. We can descend into our hearts and ascend into that reality. And isn't it so common of God to show us he's been shepherding us the whole time, generally most clearly when we are at our wit's end? Glory be to God, our great shepherd. So to end, for those of us desperate to explain or prove whose side Jesus is on, and for those of us who are at our wit's end of faith as it seems, maybe this challenge, or rather gift, may be of great assistance in our journey to theologically and relationally experience what Paul calls in Colossians 1, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. What is this mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. That said, let's lean into a moment of faith together by finding somewhere quiet and unhurried to be silent this morning. And as you find yourself in a space of quiet, would you, with me, open your hands in a cup-like manner as a sign to our whole persons that we desire the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now in this moment, we'll just give some space to breathe in through the nose and gently out through the mouth. The prayer word I will be speaking this morning comes from Psalm 69, verse 16. So feel free to join me in speaking it out into your space. And if not, feel free to take these words and let it woo you into God's presence and heart. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love, and in your great mercy, turn to me. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love, and in your great 
mercy, turn to me.